when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question. I'm the man to go get it done with this staff, with this team, with this program. There's not anybody left standing after 2015. All right, I am. And I know what it takes. You build in together, you fight together, and you go find a way to get it done. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy. What's going on? Hey, not much, Shane. They're making some chili downstairs. <laughs> but uh, we know at Coach O's house, they ain't making no chili, Shane. They're making gumbo. Yeah, I like hey, cocoa. My, my mom makes the best ones. She makes, she makes a seafood gumbo that's pretty good. Well, I, I like chicken and sausage, but my favorite gumbo is okra gumbo with shrimp in it. Potato salad on the side or in the gumbo? In the gumbo, for sure. Two scoops. How about that, Shay? Two <laughs> scoops there. Yeah, uh, make it to Utah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we shouldn't be surprised, but uh, this was uh, from the SEC teleconference here on Wednesday. Coach O asked about his, his damn favorite gumbo there, and, man, I just, just can't get enough of this guy. I got to be honest, Mike, I've never had gumbo in my life. And when I heard this, I honestly Googled it because he was talking about dropping potato salad in the gumbo. And I'm thinking gumbo is like a soup. And I'm thinking potato salad, like barbecued potato salad, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, surely that's not what it means. But nope, that's exactly what they mean. Regular potato salad just dropped right in there and Apparently, it's pretty good, so I am definitely going to have to try it out at some point. I have never... Have you ever had gumbo? Oh, yeah. I've been down to Baton Rouge, had myself some gumbo. Hmm. It's quite the delicacy, Shane. Maybe a couple of our LSU listeners, you know, send us some recipes. Get Shane's wife there cooking in the yeah. kitchen. Uh, get us some gumbo recipes. That would be pretty yeah. awesome, wouldn't it? Gumbo, yeah. Uh, or, man, I'd like to get... What are they called? Beignets? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. You could find me down there in a sugar coma <laughs> with powdered sugar everywhere. There's Lay's big cousin Shay. <laughs> Blood pressure is through the roof. <laughs> All right, Shane, you ready to go around the league? Yeah, buddy, let's do it. Now let's go now around, let's the go league. around the league. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. 
in Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you! All right, Shane, we're going to talk a lot of Florida-Georgia matchup here coming up. But before we get to that, I think the biggest news we got to hit on here out of Auburn, Shane. War damn eagle. Joey Gatewood, early in the morning, rumblings that he was potentially thinking about leaving the team. And that's what happened. He up and left. Now, this is something, uh, this is pretty odd, Shane, because now we're, you know, we're basically in November. This uh -huh. kid has already redshirted, so, you know, we're well past these. This is not one of those deals where he's played in four games. He doesn't want to burn his red shirt. His red shirt's already been burned, essentially, last season. Uh-huh. Thoughts on this one, Shane? I mean, this is a weird one. Auburn, like I said, you know, we hit on this on a previous podcast. Yes, their chances to go to the college football playoff is basically on life support at this moment, but uh, they, ha they still have some big games coming up here. This is no time to, you know, I'm not trying to judge the young man, but I don't know, it just seems like an odd, like what happens if, God forbid, Bo Nix gets hurt. Yeah. Joey Gatewood could be starting against Georgia and Alabama and all these teams, and, and who knows, he could be, you know, there was always those Cam Newton comparisons. Obviously, he's, it's unfair to make that comparison, but who knows, what if he stepped up and was a hell of a player? He could have been Auburn's starter next year. I don't know. This is, uh, this is just odd timing to me. I'm not surprised that he's transferring. I am surprised that he's transferring at the end of October. You know, I just, right. I thought, you know, he, he was a big part of this team and, you know, he did occasionally come in and, and, and provide a little spark. And like you said, you never, you never know, especially in college football. I mean, look I, at, look at Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> look at, look at all the schools. Look at Tennessee. Look at Alabama too, as her, mm -hmm. you know, Trask didn't start the season. So, I mean, there's, I mean, there's plenty of opportunity to, uh, you know, take. I mean, think about. I mean, honestly, take a step and think about all of the backups that are playing this year. I mean, I mean, is there a team that is starting that is playing right now with their starting quarterback? Other than let's see, Texas A&M, Georgia, Georgia. Is that it? Uh, well, That's the list. Missouri, Missouri got. <laughs> banged up you know Brian came in, but you know what i'm saying so like right okay yeah the opportunity isn't there yet but the odds are in your favor you know stick around you never know what's going to happen i mean if you go down there to alabama and your name's called and you happen to beat alabama i mean boom you just won your starting position i just don't understand why you want to tuck your tail now uh i, I get you want to be a starting quarterback but starting quarterback may just be a series away, man. And uh, you know what I think happened down here, Shane. Bo Nix obviously struggled against Florida, mm -hmm. struggled last week against LSU, and there were moments where Joey Gatewood either barely got on the field, or you know, we both wondered on this podcast why are they not giving this kid more of a look. Mm -hmm. I think after all these struggles, I mean, we'll get to Gus Malzahn's comments in just a moment here, but. I bet Joey Gatewood went to him and said, what the hell, like, if he's playing so poorly, can I at least get a shot here? And Gus Malzahn, who's taken a ton of heat from Auburn fans, I don't know if you've seen it, Shane. I mean, they're, they're ready to get his ass out of town already after just a three-point loss to the number one team in the nation. Yeah. And, and I understand why they're upset. The offense has been really bad here lately. But I don't know. It seems like he, was, he probably committed to Bo Nix – uh, when when Joey Gatewood you know approached him about his future, 
and that's kind of led to the decision here. Uh, does does that make sense to you? Do you think that's what happened? Yeah, I, I think I, it's you know honestly, it feels to me like Joey's just lied to. Mm-hmm. Um, if you remember when this started they even made that little funny video with the quarterbacks you remember that right yeah you know it was like a thing down there and and i'm pretty sure gus said hey man we're gonna start with Bo, but we're gonna let you play we're gonna let you have plenty of opportunities to win this position as well and it it feels like they just put all their chips in on Bo, and and i just i don't know that for somebody to leave before the season up make seasons up makes me feel like there was there was some dishonesty down there and again i'm just speculating i wasn't there you know mm-hmm. i don't know the whole i don't know the quarterback situation who knows joey could have got passed up by somebody in practice but it just felt to me like you know maybe he was promised something and he's not getting it and he's just you know what i'm done i'm ready to go mm-hmm well, let's kick it over to Gus Malzahn, Shane. And once again, these comments are from the uh, SEC teleconference, so the audio's not great, but you should be able to make out everything he's saying here. Uh, this is uh, what was really interesting, Shane, a little inside window for everybody that does not get to take part in these calls. Basically, the way it happens is, uh, you know, you're on the call, the next coach clicks off, and then the operator says, all right, now we got Gus Malzahn. Uh, go ahead and, and tell us about your team for a couple minutes here. And there was about, I'm not even kidding, two, three minutes of silence and then trying to get Gus on the line. It really seemed like, because this news came out, you know, an hour or two before the conference, it seemed like he was trying to avoid having to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was really weird. And then after two, three minutes, he came on and uh, he gave a statement about Joey Gatewood. A quick update. Um Joey Gatewood has uh, entered the transfer portal and decided to move on. Um, I really appreciate Joey. You know, the thing about it, when he didn't win the job earlier, he chose to stick around. You know, most quarterbacks this day and time would have would have quit, and he didn't do that. And he's just at a point now where he feels like, you know, he wants to be a starting quarterback and just feels like he needs to start looking for schools now so he can, you know, find the right spot, and I respect that. Um, He's a fine young man and really appreciate everything Joey's done for our program and everybody in our program will be rooting for him moving forward. Uh, hey, Gus. Um, can hey, you talk about kind of what was the timetable with that? When did, when did Joey first express uh, um, this desire to move on? Yeah, he, uh, he came to me uh, yesterday before practice and said he'd been thinking about it over the weekend. Just, um, you know, felt strong that he needed the, the time to – you know, find the right spot. Do, do you, is it, was it a situation where you tried to talk him, out, talk him in saying we can find a role for you in the office, or did you just say, oh, okay, we appreciate it, thank you? No, 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 we had a talk, and, uh, you know, he just felt strong that he needed uh, the time right now to make sure and, um, you know, get it right and find find the place that, you know, he can be a starting quarterback. That's his goal, <laughs> and that's really what he wants, and I respect that. All right, Shane. So, I mean, this is, uh, if you're Gus Malzahn, this is about as well as you can handle it. You know, someone decided to leave your program, obviously, at a at an ill-timed moment, and it's it's really hurting their depth. I mean, their backup now is Cord Sandberg, who's, who's not played since, uh, you know, he played baseball in, in the minor leagues. So this is a guy that's not played in, you know, six, seven years, I don't think. And then their third-string quarterback is a walk-on. So uh, I don't even imagine they'd put him on the field. You know, they'd probably – 
they'd probably pull a Lynn Bowden and put a receiver or running back back there. Yo, Cord's not a player you want to come in the fourth. You want him at the bottom of the eighth, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But this is, uh, I don't know, this is just a weird spot to be in. And uh, again, I'm not saying Gus is in trouble, but this is just a bad look at a bad time coming off a really, really poor performance. And like you said, it just makes you wonder what's going on behind the scenes there at Auburn uh, with this offense that that it's Gus's baby now. Let me let me ask Mike uh, because I saw I saw he put a tweet out uh-huh. and thanking the university and all that. But you know, has he officially left the campus yet? I mean, is there still? an outside shot here that coach is able to woo him back onto the roster. Mm -hmm. Well, I know he's officially in the transfer portal, but yeah, he could still return. Uh, Just going in the portal does not mean you're gone. Just obviously allows other coaches to contact him and start that process. So he could still return, but uh, I don't know. It seems doubtful at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seemed seemed a little bit, but I I just, I wouldn't give up on it. I just, you got to be careful when you're talking to, to young kids like this and, Maybe if they could just, hey, okay, it's out there. Everybody knows that you want to transfer. You cannot go to another school right now, so you might as well hang out with us. And mm-hmm. and if given an opportunity, you know, I don't know. I mean, but he may again. You got to be weighing that injury spot too. You know, you don't want to get hurt, or you may hurt your chances. Uh, wait, let's just talk real quick. And I don't know. We talked a lot about this, but mm-hmm. what team? If he were, if he's transferring, what team do you think would be a good landing spot in the SEC? Arkansas. No, I'm just kidding. Arkansas. That's the first <laughs> one that came to my mind. But I was thinking maybe like Missouri mm-hmm. with Kelly gone. You know, this is something. Maybe they're starting a new transfer tradition up there with quarterbacks. Uh, no, I honestly I think the one that probably makes the most sense to me. He's from Florida, Shane. Obviously, yeah. we know what Dan Mullen can do with the, these quarterbacks when he works with them. I think the Gators makes that makes a ton of sense to me. I, if I'm Joey Gatewood, I don't know if they take him because obviously they got Emory Jones, they got a kid committed that they really like. Uh, Kyle uh, Trask could come back. Felipe Franks could come back. So, I mean, it's pretty stacked over there too. I don't think Joey Gatewood. The more I am sitting here trying to talk myself into it, I don't think he would go there. But I think yeah. that if he could get in there, and they'd give him a shot to earn the starting job or at least develop into a starter. Uh, I think that would be my ideal spot if I'm Joey Gatewood. Yeah, that'd be a good one. I just don't, I don't know if he's got a spot there though. You know. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. Enough about all that. Let's uh, okay. jump on down to Gainesville, where defensive coordinator Todd Grantham spoke with the media here recently, and you know, more often than not, Shane. I mean, it, this is true for a lot of football games, but it's particularly true in this Florida-Georgia matchup. I don't have the stats in front of me, but it's some insane number. We're basically, every time in the last 20 years, the team that leads in rushing wins this game. So it's going to be a lot on the Gators to stuff DeAndre Swift. He's going to be the key to the game. We all know uh, mm-hmm. Georgia's kind of been struggling a bit to pass the ball and get their receivers open and what have you. What what odds do you give, considering that Florida's got a lot of their defensive backs or defensive players returning in this matchup? Uh, do you think the Gators have a good chance to limit DeAndre Swift in this matchup? Oh, I think they're going to sell out to the run, man. They're going to make Fromm win this thing, and and why not? They've shown in the past that, that Georgia's had a tough time 
getting any type of offensive production when they cannot run the ball freely. So, yeah, I think I think this is going to be their toughest matchup of the season, and and mainly just because Dan's going to have that box loaded up, man. Mm-hmm. And you know, speaking of Todd Grantham again, it's interesting because I don't know of any coordinators kind of like him that have. He's been on both sides of this one now. He's been coaching at Florida and Georgia as a defensive coordinator. I know Georgia fans give this guy a ton of hell for the way his time there in Athens ended, but I really think he's one of the best defensive coordinators, not only in the SEC, but in the nation. Uh, He's got this Gator team playing at an incredibly high level. He's getting Zaniga back. He's getting Grenard back. Uh, His defensive Mm -hmm. backs are healthy. This is, uh, you know, this could be the matchup of the game because I don't think, I know Florida and Dan Mullen, they've been having a lot of success. I think this, I think when they played, they had a lot of success against Auburn, obviously. They had a, a lot of a success against LSU. But I think there's a chance, considering this one is away from the swamp, this may be the Gators' toughest test of the season because I think Georgia's defense is that good and obviously mm-hmm. had two weeks to prepare. Um, so I don't know. This is going to be a this is going to be a fascinating matchup, Shane. So let's kick it over to Todd Grantham. Uh, he shares his thoughts on DeAndre Swift and Jake Fromm, uh, on what it's going to take to win this game. And then finally, I just thought this was interesting because you don't hear a lot of coordinators uh, talk about it like this. They're usually asked about the guy they're going to face. Todd Grantham was asked about Kirby Smart's defenses and what he sees on them on film. Uh, I just thought that was. Kind of a cool question. Does Swift remind you of anybody? He's a pretty um, dynamic guy. You know, each running back's kind of got their own style. I think the biggest thing with him is he's he's got really good acceleration. Um, he can run through tackles, so you got to make sure that, that you bring your pads and bring your feet. And you've got to, you know, take the air out of the hole. and you got to shrink it and um, give him less room to run because he's a guy that can make the first guy miss. And, um, you know, he can put his foot in the ground and change direction. Like I said, he'll run where you're not. So... You know, playing defense against a guy like that, it really gets down to team defense and making sure that, you know, we set the edge, build a wall, and compress, you know, the, the running lanes to where he doesn't have as much space to run the ball. Yeah, he, he's kind of a pass catching threat, too, and pretty yeah. smooth there. I mean, he's a guy that um, they try to get the ball in the back, you know, out of the backfield. Um, and anytime you have a guy that has his kind of speed or athletic ability, if he can catch, you know, just a simple option route or something in the flat. He can make a guy miss and um, turn it into a, you know, double-digit gain. So, obviously, we've got to be aware of that and account for that and, you know, be ready to play a good team. What stands out about Jake from to you? Um, I think a couple things is, one, he's – well, first of all, he's really competitive, um, and I think that breeds to the team. Um, he's a smart guy. I mean, he's probably – when you look at football IQ of guys, um, he's going to be an elite guy you know, as smart as anyone that we'll see, or you could play at this level or the next level. And then he's accurate with the ball. So I think those three things are the, the biggest thing I see with, see with him is his competitive nature, um, his ability to see things in his IQ. And then he is accurate with the ball um, when he's throwing it. What's the one thing the defense like needs to do better, I guess, this week than maybe it hasn't to the standard you want this season? Um, is there anything that just stands out? That I don't know. If it, I would say that this week we just need to play to our ability and our identity. And I don't, I'm not saying we haven't done that during the season, but when you get into big games like this, there's a lot of excitement. You just need to play and, and don't do more than your job. Don't do more than what we're asking you to do. Just do your job to the best of your ability, and that's all you can do. And if you do that and prepare all week, we'll be fine. So I think that 
in these kind of games, you got to take the approach that I understand it's you know going to be a lot of excitement and things like that, but it really gets down to execution and doing what you're supposed to do. Like you can't give up easy plays, you can't give up easy yards, easy points. You've got to be hard to score on and those kind of things. So I would kind of cater my answer to this game in the sense of we understand the importance, we understand what what's at stake. You know that's why you come to Florida to play in games like this. But to win this game, we have to just basically do our job. When Dan went up against Gus Malzoni, praised his play calling acumen. When you go against a guy like Kirby, and what's something you like about the way that he calls Kirby, defense? Kirby, um, I think they do a good job. They have a lot of stuff. So, I mean, it's like, I don't think you can really isolate a guy. I mean, they're going to have answers, you know, so it's kind of like, you know, if we do this, they're going to do this, and then you got to go to the next thing. So, I think that um, they they do a good job of, of you know, making it hard to run on them. Um, and they're gonna have answers for how they run the ball. And then they're gonna, I know that they've worked hard to improve their, you know, their havoc rate, you know, their pressure on the quarterback and things like that. And they, they do have ways to generate pressure. It's not always say all out blitz. It can be what we call simulated pressures, meaning it looks like a blitz, but in actuality, there's still only four guys rushing. It's just different dudes rushing. Um, or they could have their four guys rushing with edge guys and, and, and play coverage to take certain guys away or certain things away relative to, you know, the, the formation and things like that. So I think those are the things that he does a good job with, and that's why they've been successful. All right, Shane. So Todd Grantham here, pivotal matchup here, wants to really, you know, his defense, it's interesting because if you recall last year, they were having some success against Georgia and this offense and then they had some defensive backs go down and then Jake Fromm kind of picked them apart mm -hmm. so we don't we haven't really truly seen this Todd Grantham Gator defense at full speed without severe liabilities there in the in the defensive backfield go up against this Georgia offense so that's one of the things I'm really going to be watching for is see how this defense holds up I think if the defense holds the day here for Florida I think the Gators are going to win Ooh, 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 Mike. I, I, but how can you argue that fact? Is, is it, you know, kind of what I was just saying is uh, Georgia's not – they haven't shown anybody any type of threat with the outside, with the receivers, with the tight ends, nothing. Mm -hmm. It's it's all been about the running backs and, and the running backs out of the backfield. It's just – I don't know. They're gonna they're gonna have to do something. This is something we've been we've kind of been harping on. They've got to be creative when going against a team like Florida. But it's not just Florida. You know, you got Auburn right around the corner. You've got a potentially SEC championship if you win out, you know. There's gonna be teams that you're gonna have to play that you cannot just be one dimensional and, and rely on your defense. It's not I mean, and this is gonna be a true test. And I think Kirby knows that. I think this I think this whole Georgia fan base knows it and uh i i have faith in them to to write that ship because again they've had two weeks and they've got one team on their mind and uh it's gonna be an absolute bloodbath down there man well let's kick it over to john grenard shane he's feeling good he's going to play in this game not at 100 uh, percent i really liked what he had to say florida's uh, outstanding linebacker here on this Georgia matchup, he's fired up, ready to go. And he also uh, discussed DeAndre Swift and what a challenge that's going to be to limit uh, Georgia's outstanding running back. The ankle's getting there. It's good, though. I mean, I practiced today, felt really good. So um, 
just gonna continue to work on it, get more rehab and stuff on it, and just be able to uh, make it manageable and uh, continue to do my thing. So uh, I just know I'm gonna be out there, so that's all that matters. Percentage-wise, where do you think you're at? Uh, I would say I'm good. I'm just saying I'm good. 85, 90, I feel, I mean, if I'm honestly 85, 90, to me, that's 100. So I feel good. I mean, I'm no excuses, you know. I'm, of course, I'm gonna have to have the, the brakes and stuff out there, but all that should know, like I said, I'm playing. You'd have to be dead, not to. Right. When did you hurt? Like revolves around Swift, and what do you do to stop him? Uh, everything revolves around Swift. I mean, if if he's gone, they're gonna keep feeding him. If he's not, I mean, they're gonna find a way to get him the ball and get some other playmakers the ball. But um, everything goes to him. I mean, he's a dy dynamic player, and one of the one of the best uh, running backs out there. You know, behind Piron, but um, he can make plays. I mean, we just gotta rally to the ball, tackle, make sure we uh, put all eleven hats on him, make him feel us, and uh, make him feel uncomfortable. It's gonna be a tough one. I mean, he's not gonna give in easy. We're not gonna give in easy. So it's gonna be a fight. Well, can't do him one-on-one -on -one or he'll be around you? Uh, who? Swift. Oh, Swift? Oh, yeah. Oh, in open field, yeah. They, they, he can make some plays now. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, I mean, I know myself and I know my boundaries, but, you know, uh, I'm going <laughs> to always sound like myself with him. But, I mean, let's be real here. We already know who one-on-one. -on -one. Give him 10 yards, he's going to make something happen. But two yards, I like my chances. All right, Shane, just listen to this guy. He got me fired up for this game. You can hear the passion in his voice. You know, he's a was a grad transfer, so he's never played in this game. I'm not saying that really makes a ton of difference once you get out there, but uh, I mean he's an X factor. He was key. You know, he missed uh he's been missing the games here recently and Florida's defense just obviously wasn't quite the same without him. You expect him to have a big day here against Georgia? Yeah. Do you hear her? She's like so what you're saying is, as long as you're not dead, you're going to be out there, you know? <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. Now, this guy, this guy has had this – I mean, you could tell it in his voice. You know, he's probably got a calendar in this room, and this date is circled. He's been looking forward to this one. You know, they've been told – for over a year now, how great Georgia is, uh, you know, that last, I, even though he wasn't in that game last year, you know, this, this is something that this university's I guarantee has been talking about. Dan is a, a master manipulator. You know, he's been talking it up. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, these guys, these guys are going to be pumped, man. I think we're going to see some fights in this game, man. <laughs> you keep you, do you, remember, you keep saying I know, that i think you, you i think you're just really you really I'm, want a brawl so here up, man i do you remember when they did the celebration a few years back um after georgia scored they all came out mm -hmm. they took that personal foul just to get everybody fired up mm -hmm. and then you know yeah i don't know then you remember the games like i don't know it's just these guys have been chippy all off season i mean really they've been talking all off season and, and and now you've got the players coming out saying a little bit more, you know, even though they're trying to to keep it all back. I don't know. It's just it just feels. I feel the buzz in the air. You see it with the fans. I mean, they're they're ready. They are ready to attack. And mm -hmm. and there's going to be some. There's one fan base is going to be very very sore as far as losers, you know, the next day, and and the other one is just going to rub it in for another 365 days. Well, speaking of uh, being fired up, Shane, let's jump on down to Athens. Where this man, at least in media sessions, does never seems to be fired up. Now I'm talking about Kirby Smart, obviously. Like you said, there's been a lot of trash talking, particularly from the Florida side of this game. But it just seems like the message from Athens, cool, calm, everything's measured, no ammunition provided. I think whenever Kirby Smart gets pissed off, you know, at least in these media sessions, instead of 
you know, getting heated and saying something, I think he shuts it down because I think that's just kind of the saving in him, you know, where yeah, we'll do our talking on the field. That's been the message. And uh, let me ask you about that, Shane. I don't know if that really plays much of a factor in these games, but what what's your thoughts on that with considering Florida all off season, Dan Mullen and his players seems like doing a lot of talking specifically in the, about this game, this rivalry, whereas the Georgia guys have been kind of clamping it down, not been saying much. Do you think that uh, plays a factor at all or it gives either team an edge? Because it certainly seems like Florida's the one with confidence, so they're, it seems like they're backing up their talk. That could even help them, or does it hurt them going into this game against a, a reserve Georgia team that you know a lot of people have high hopes for and they have to go out there and prove it on Saturday? I think it's different, man. I think it's I think when you're talking about a team like Florida that has been kind of on the outside as of late, you know, everybody's been talking up Georgia the last few years and mm-hmm. uh you know, they're they're coming into this ball game and now they they've seen South Carolina beat them, you know, they're Georgia Georgia doesn't have that same feel Alabama does, man, when you go into that type of game. Uh and that's just because honestly this the South Carolina game has, has shown them that they're human, you know, and and I think that's just put blood in the water with these sharks, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> there are, let's say gators, you know, they just they they know that they can beat this team, you know. So the the trash talking and all that that's going on behind the scenes, I think it's very motivational for the University of Florida. Now Georgia, on the other hand, you know they're 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 not saying as much, you know. They they want to act like they've been here before and and that they're going to go in here, they're going to do their job and. And, but when you've got, you know, a little dog chirping at your ankles, you know, eventually you're going to kick the thing, you know what I'm saying? So (laughs) I I think even though they're not coming out and saying the words you obviously want to hear, especially us media guys, you know, we want to get those sound bites, you know, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I don't know. I just think it's two different, two different animals here. I think Georgia just wants to show dominance, be quiet, do their job, Florida, man, They just want to show that they're the best team in the East. Well, Shane, let's kick it over to Kirby Smart, who, interestingly, I mean, obviously he's from Georgia, played at Georgia, so he's played in this game. He knows all about it. He knows the importance of this game. Everybody knows it this week going into it, but I I really liked his comments here on, you know, even when this game isn't for the SEC East, isn't potentially for a college football playoff spot. This game means a lot to so many people on so many different sides of it. On the unique atmosphere of this stadium, it's, you know, there's almost nothing like it. There's nothing like it in the SEC anymore outside Mm -hmm. of maybe the SEC championship game. But, uh, you know, those are obviously two different teams more times than not. And then finally, I just thought this was a good point to make. You know, we, we keep track of these kids when they're getting recruited, but we kind of forget about all that once they make it to campus. And as Kirby notes, I mean, basically everybody on these rosters, both recruited by Georgia and Florida. So I, it just kind of adds more fuel to this fire. That's what makes it a rivalry, you know. you got so much at stake. So, I mean, I really don't think that it would matter if it was about the SEC East or not. It's Georgia-Florida. So, um, that in itself carries a lot of weight. The game, the history, the tradition, the the fact you have a Hall of Fame for the, the for the game alone, and players can be remembered for their performances in that game alone is pretty big. But the the SEC East is always 
you know, it weighs heavily into this game. I wouldn't say it determines it all the time. Yeah, that's probably the most unique thing is the split 50-50 cuz it's weird. You know, you have a weird feeling in there sometimes. It's so different than it I call it a pro mentality because people aren't there's no like student section, they're chanting for you or against you when you come out of warm up. It's not like that. The atmosphere in pregame is is very different. It's a different feel because when you go out pregame at a, a road game, it's like I'm in enemy territory. When you go out in your place, it's you're in friendly confines, but there's a lot more energy and buzz. And it seems like at this game, the times I've played in it and coached in it, it's more flat in warm-ups. And then all of a sudden, boom, you come out for the game and everybody's in their seat. They, they, they come in at the same time as opposed to being in there early. It says we recruit against them a lot. I mean, you know, there are. It seems like there's every player that's on their roster we were at least in contact with or maybe – you know, they still got guys playing that were recruited under the other staff um, where most of ours are under ours. But I think both places recruited, I mean, probably 80% of these kids overlapped. Um, and they were probably in the final, you know, four teams. So uh, it, it makes, uh, you know, it makes you probably as a player want to win more if you almost went there. And there's also the overlap of they recruit our state and we recruit their state. They've got quite a few Georgia kids. We've got quite a, quite a few Florida kids. And um, those kids want to win, obviously, because they got to go home and, and live and see in their communities. So it makes it, I think, anytime you're border rivalry, it's that much more. All right, Shane. So obviously this game means a ton to Kirby Smart and his program. And there's bad blood everywhere, kind of like uh, Kirby was saying with these, these ties and the recruiting and everything. Uh, thoughts on what uh, Kirby Smart had to say on this upcoming game on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, if anybody knows how this game feels, the 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 setup, it's it's somebody that's been involved with it. Like you said, you know, Kirby played at the University of Georgia, which means he was going against Florida there at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. He knows. And, you know, what's crazy about this game is it, it truly is a it's, – it's a 50-50 battle, man, and – it's those are hard to 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 judge because a lot of folks when you go to a game it's predominantly either home or away mm-hmm. you know the 50 50 games are weird i went to that bristol with uh virginia tech and tennessee mm-hmm. and it's like when t- something was good happening it's like we're all cheering i'm like oh yeah and then something good happens to virginia tech and it's just as loud and you're like wait a minute you know <laughs> you, you, you <laughs> thought you had home field advantage there for a minute so yeah it's a it's a it's a loud game because if you got half the crowd as Georgia fans and half the crowd of Florida fans, I mean, it's just constant noise the entire time. Uh, no, this is a huge event. This is, a the you know, one of the games I look forward to the most. Is, I mean, it's right up there with the Iron Bowl. Uh, that's just how, how big a, uh, a rivalry this thing has become So and, and has been. So um, I love it, man. I, 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 and I think we're going to have a great game. I was looking at the, the win-loss records between these teams, and they're almost dead even, man. Mm-hmm. It's almost 50-50. So it, it's not like one team just has that much more power over the other. I mean, the more I think about it, you know, those 50-50 games, are, it's unique. You know, even when you go to these neutral site games, a lot of times they're still a favorite team, you know. Mm-hmm. But this is one of those games that's legitimately half and half, man. You know, I, I kind of be curious how the allotment, the ticket allotments work on this. But, you know, you watch it, and especially a year like this year where both teams are kind of up, you know, uh, there's there's no going to be there's not going to be any sellouts. This thing will be a half Florida, half Georgia game. Yeah, and look at it this way, Shane. I mean, I'm I'm not 
anticipating this game being a blowout by any means, but if one team is kicking ass in the first half, uh, outside the stadium, it's like a damn music festival. Like there's so much, you know, people tailgating and, and alcohol and food. <laughs> if you're getting your ass kicked at halftime, you bitch may leave and just be like, to hell with this. And then imagine the, the crowd advantage for the team that's up in the second half. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's also something to consider. Uh, but like I said, I'm not expecting a blowout, but you just you just never know how that's going to go down. And I'll tell you who else is not ex- expecting much of a blowout, Shane, is uh, Georgia defenders J.R. Reed and Monty Rice. Both of them kind of echoed similar statements on the Gators. Like I said, Georgia, it's not that Florida's players have been disrespecting Georgia by any means, but it just, just kind of continues the theme of Bulldogs having all the respect in the world for the Gators. He's talking up Dan Mullen and his offense, Kyle Trask, what a good player he is. They obviously listen to the podcast, best quarterback in the <laughs> SEC East. Uh, let's kick it over to these Bulldogs. I feel like after the last two games, this team has something to prove against Florida. I wouldn't say something to prove, but, you know, we, we just got to go out there and take care of business. Kirby was saying Flores got pretty much a complete package on offense. They can run the ball. Trash can run it if he needs to an offseason receivers. Like, have you seen kind of the same thing? Are they one of the most well-rounded groups based on offense this year? Most definitely. They have, they have two quarterbacks that do a great job for them. They got, a, you know, stable running backs and a stable receiver. So playing really well in that back end and tackling is going to be a big key for us. Dan Mullins' offenses with a couple teams in your career here. You've also seen them on film. What are the things that define what they do, and, and what do you have to do to be successful? You got to stop the big plays. You know, Dan Mullins going to take shots. He's gonna, they, they're going to take big shots. They're going to go downfield. He's going to throw the ball deep. You know, he might throw in a trick play here and there. But number one thing is stop explosive plays. But, but you're the guy in the middle. I mean, you're the you're the, you're the Mike, right? I mean, you're you're kind of the whole leader of this defense. I mean, what tone do you set? You know, I just you know, I'm gonna make the calls, get everybody lined up, and we're gonna go play ball. Is this offense a little more complicated in terms of what you have to do and than other offenses, or how is it different? I mean, I just think you know they got they've got they got better players than we played so far this year, in my opinion especially all over the field, especially at the receiver position, and they all fast and make up, and they can make plays. So, you know, it's going to come down to, you know, good pass coverage and, you know, good pass rush and stopping the run. Is it – do they hide their run pass with the RPOs a lot better than other teams or similar concepts? Uh, it's it's similar, but, you know, it's different still because, uh, you know, we haven't – I don't think we faced the quarterback as good as Trash this year yet. So, it's going to be a good challenge. As good as him in terms of – what does he do? Just overall, you know, he's like a, you know, he don't, when I'm watching him, he don't make a lot of bonehead mistakes, you know. He's going to throw the ball where the receiver can catch it, and, you know, he's going to do what he's supposed to do. All right, Shane, so it just seems to me like these players have really kind of taken uh, the lead of their head coach. I'm sure he's instructed them to <laughs> say nothing, nothing that's going to get picked up, uh, nothing that's going to come back on them. Uh, and I think uh, Georgia, the defense versus Florida's offense, that's going to be quite the battle here. And I, I think it's going to be put on Kyle Trask to win the day. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I, I, I think it's going to come down to both quarterbacks. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've we've been talking about the running game and trenches for a long time on a lot of different teams. But ironically, this one's not, I don't think it's going to come down to that. It's going to come down to your playmakers on the outside, who can get them the ball, 
both both of these defenses are amazing. Uh, I mean, they they they're both great at takeaways. They're both great at getting pressure on the quarterback, and that's something that Trask has been able to handle is, is that pressure and something that Fromm hasn't really had to compete with. So it, it's I think it's just going to be a battle uh, of I don't know, just battle of quarterbacks here. All right, Shane, let's take a break from the podcast to let the listeners know that support for that SEC football podcast comes from Manscaped, who's number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. We got an exclusive offer from Manscaped, the listeners of the podcast, to get 20% off and free shipping using the promo code SEC. Over at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping over at manscaped.com. And I got to tell you, Shane, Manscaped sent me over the product. It's a high-class operation over there, Shane. I mean, they give you a leather-bound tote bag. I'm loving this bag. Uh, The razor's fantastic. They give you perfume. I got to be honest with you, Shane. My girlfriend sprayed this perfume. She wanted to sample this perfume. Branded all over the house here. I'm going to tell you a funny story, Shane. I went to a wedding recently. Thanks to the electric razor from Manscaped, I got two haircuts. The girlfriend's loving that one, Shane. So we're listening to the podcast. 20% off, free shipping over at manscaped.com using the promo code SEC. Once again, that's the promo code SEC over at manscaped.com. Get 20% off, free shipping. I really recommend this product. They've sent it over to me. It's a hell of a device here. Once again, that's promo code SEC over at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Check it out. All right, Shane, let's kick it down to Mississippi State in Arkansas. Woo pig! What I like to call the Loser Leaves Town Bowl. (laughs) Because I can't remember. I'm sure we've had this, but uh, it's been a good minute, Shane, since I recall a football game between two SEC opponents were basically (laughs) both fan bases ready to kick their damn coach out the door. I cannot imagine as bad as things are, and I'm not saying either one of these guys is going to get fired at all or even this weekend, but if you lose to the other opponent here, the heat is going to go from 10 to who Lord knows what, 11? I don't know if it can get any hotter for these two. What are your thoughts on uh, Joe Moorhead, Chad Morris going into this matchup? I mean, it's it's a must win for both of them. It is a must win. Could you imagine? We're, they're about to play a, a clip. You're about to play a clip here with Coach Morris. I mean, could you just imagine walking into work and saying, hey, man, I saw you on hotseat.com and <laughs> how you feel. Yeah. <laughs> could you imagine? It's like, I'm just tr- Damn it, Randy. I'm just trying to warm up my lunch. <laughs> oh, you're talking hot seats. So, no, I, I, I can't imagine that pressure, man. These these guys, they're different animals. Of course, they make a lot of money for a reason. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, to take the pressures of that, that, that job and what all it entails. But, yeah, it's a, this is a must win. And it's, it's crazy to say that. But I just think that. Who do you think there's more pressure on? I think I, I think there's more pressure. Let me just ask you first, because I, 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 I'm formulating my answer now. But <laughs> who do you think is has more pressure going into this game? 
Um, honestly, I think it's Chad Morris just for the fact that we've just not seen anything that says yeah. that this guy knows what the hell he's doing. And that's not to say that he won't discover it, but I don't know, Shane. I mean, watching back this Alabama game, obviously that's a tough one, but it just seems like the offense is clueless. That's what he's there to, to train. It's just it's baffling how the starting quarterback is always the one that sucks, and then the, they bring in a backup and he's better. It's it's like whoever they coach less is better. I mean, it, it, just, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And then the special teams have just always been god awful during his time it's just yeah it's just a complete mess there uh whereas joe moorhead i know things are trending bad uh but they'll get significantly worse if they lose to this arkansas team but at least we've seen him win a couple sec games he's won one road sec game uh i have and and just talking to people in in the profession and everything they got a lot of respect for joe moorhead not sold that it's going to work out based on the way things are trending there at Mississippi State. But I think if, let's say, Joe Moorhead gets fired, I think a team would pick him up in a minute to uh, join their program as a offensive coordinator. Chad Morris, I don't know. I don't know if, if he's – if I don't know. He's going to have to go the Butch Jones route, in my opinion, if, he, if, if this goes bad here at Arkansas. Yeah, it's like – it's almost like Morris has more pressure – but the University of Mississippi State has the pressure on the other side. Like, like if if things don't work out with Joe, Joe's out. Joe Joe's got another job lined up. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's out to the Rutgers. So it's almost like it's I don't know. Like that, it means more for the university for them to win if they really want to keep Joe. And I think it means more for Arkansas if they want to keep Morris around for another year. So I don't know. There is a lot, there is a lot of pressure on this game. Uh, I'm curious, man. You always see those, those pictures coming out before the games, five minutes before kickoff. And there's a picture, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of curious uh, uh, how packed this stadium is going to be for this ball game. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, uh, let's just play these guys back to back Shane. Cause they're basically asked the same question, just in a different way. Chad Morris on being on featured on a, CoachingHotSeat.com. <laughs> and Joe Moorhead on uh, if he's hearing the noise and just kind of if he if the SEC is what he thought it would be uh, before he came down to the South. Coach, uh, HotSeat.com has Joe Moorhead number one and you number two. What are your thoughts about that? Well, you know, you can't control what other people say, and, I, and that's, that's the least of my worries. My worries are making sure that this football team continues to get better every day. How are you doing down there and do these things get to you kind of how, how do you deal with the, the pressure and the heat i guess yeah i haven't heard any of those things from anyone here at mississippi state so i'm worried about you know making sure we put these kids in a good position to be successful this week with the game plan uh doing a good job of practice improving our uh you know our urgency and our precision and going out on saturday and playing a great game so you know, I, I understand you understand what you sign up for when you Come a head coach in this league, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and people are entitled to their opinions and what they think is reality, and I'm entitled to mine as well. So I'm excited about what we did last year. I'm excited about the current state, and I'm excited about the future of the program. So that's where we're at, and that's where I'm at. If I was any better, there'd be two of me. What's it like being a head coach in the SEC, and has it been different than what you maybe expected? No, you know, I, I talked to Coach Franklin about it prior to coming down here, and you know, some of the some of the ups and downs, the highs and lows and what it takes. But, you know, part of the reason of taking this job 
amidst other opportunities after the 16 and 17 season as, as I wanted to gauge myself and compete against the best of the best in the SEC. So, you know, no going into it when you're coaching against, you know, Coach Saban and, and the other great coaches in this conference. And the recruiting aspect of it as well is it, it's, it's going to be a grind every single day on the field and off the field. The margin of error is going to be small. And, and the, the praise when you do well is going to be high. And the criticism when you, when you perform poorly is going to be harsh. And, no, that's just part of it. I mean, this conference has gone through a bunch of great coaches, and some have stayed, and some have had hard times. And it's just—I mean, I hate to simplify it to this matter. It's when you—it's what you sign up for. So it is what it is. All right, Shane. I'm not sure which which of these answers I disliked more. I think I think honestly, the Moorhead one. It just seems like he's kind of ambivalent to the whole situation, but. <laughs> At least, uh, I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? I think Coach been drinking or something, you know. He's just like, <laughs> whatever, man. Drinking out of that SEC podcast koozie, just saying, you know. I'm finer than a frog hair, split three ways. I don't care what happens. Worst case scenario, what? I go get another job, you know. I was looking for a job when I found this one. So, I, I think he's got... I don't know. I think he's just got a chill attitude about it. And I think Morris is just taking it way too personal. And, uh, of course, how can you not, man? You, when, when the first one of the first questions that get asked is, you know, hey, have you noticed your odds in Vegas? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of this upcoming matchup, Shane, I thought this was just a really interesting comment here from uh, the bearded Schrader, Garrett Schrader, Mississippi State starting quarterback. You know, he was asked recently about uh, the team's first half struggles, and he kind of opened up. I think he's kind of had, I don't know if he had the green light to reveal all this information, Shane, but sounds like they're simplifying the offensive game plan. I think that's really caused some confusion down there at Mississippi State, and that makes sense because they got a true freshman quarterback, but uh, maybe they've been overloading Schrader. I don't know, but uh, let's uh, kick it over to Schrader. We heard it last week a little bit, but is there a little more of emphasis this week to try and get off to a fast start? Absolutely. I mean, past three weeks, really, we've been struggling the first half. So we got a pretty simple game plan in, mainly with the stuff we've been doing in the second half the past couple of games, what we've reverted to. That's that's what we're going with at the beginning. And um, so we get a jump on them. With the last three, three weeks, now that you've had some time to look at film and things like that, especially at Texas A&M, is there anything you, like, is there anything you attribute to maybe the slow starts to, or is it just... Is there anything consistent you've seen? I think it's just trying – part of it is trying to do too much and a little bit of it is the defense showing us new stuff that they hadn't ran all year, and so we just haven't adjust to adjust to the stuff that they've been running. So, you know, when we get settled in, it just takes a little bit longer than we need it to. You feel like that, that's happening because they know, hey, that guy's a true freshman, let's, let's put something out there he hasn't seen? Yeah, I think that's part of it, trying to confuse me and people doing a pretty good job. I mean, I don't, I don't know if – they would have gotten a lot of people. I mean, just – running uh, different blitzes and different fronts that we've never seen before and didn't know how to protect. So, All right, Shane, so the, it sounds like they're going to go pretty vanilla against Arkansas. I don't know if that says more about Mississippi State and their confidence of just handling Arkansas, just going vanilla, or if uh, you know they've just been handling the situation wrong. They've been doing something wrong because last couple weeks they've been kind of getting dominated, uh, particularly early on the and on the road in the SEC, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the bearded Schrader saying they're kind of dumbing things down uh, heading into this matchup against Arkansas? I think it was a rookie answer, man. Uh, you know, you're not supposed to tell the truth up there sometimes, <laughs> uh, and just 
hey, yeah, uh, well, they were, they've been confusing me. And, uh, you know, I mean, you don't say that before you go into a game. And mm-hmm. I, I think coach will talk to them about this. Uh, of course, they're going to confuse you. You're, you're a young freshman quarterback and with your, they're going to, they're going to throw all kinds of stuff at you, trying to get you off your game. I, I think they do need to simplify the playbook. You know, a lot of times these opening series are scripted and, you know, they've got six, seven, eight plays that they walk through, you know, several times before the game starts. So uh, they know exactly where, you know, just so they can get their, you know what I'm saying, to to get the the pregame jitters out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just roll with that. Yeah. That's that's what scripted plays are for. And, And I think maybe they were just... They shouldn't be giving him so many options to start the game. And, and as soon as he gets comfortable and knows that he has the ability to run, because that's something I didn't see last week mm-hmm. that I hope that they incorporate this week is, you know, Schrader's a very athletic quarterback. He can, he is mobile and he can get down the field. Now he needs to learn how to slide. He needs to learn how to take less hits, but they need to take advantage of the fact that he can move his legs. All right, Shane, last team I've got a hit on here today. Let's jump on down to Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. Coach O met with the media here recently, and I just thought this was a pretty interesting answer here because we, you know, we've touched on this a little bit, but the Tigers rated number one in the AP poll. And Coach O said that's not necessarily a good thing, not necessarily a bad thing. So uh, let's kick it over to Coach O, and then I'll ask you about it on the flip side. Ed, your thoughts on the AP number one ranking? Your thoughts on the AP number one? Yeah, I think it's great for the university. I think it's great for our football team. I think it's great for the fans. I think it's great for uh, the recruiting, and I don't think it means a hill of beans. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest with you, I think that uh, all that's good. But, you know, we know what's ahead of us. Uh, We know what uh, we have to win the games that we have to win to get where we want to go. Now, once the the, Playoff rankings? Yeah, once that starts, I mean, that that's what counts. And, uh, but I think it's good. But I think it can be a blessing. I think it would be a curse as far as how you handle it. I, we do not talk about that uh, in there. Uh, obviously, we all know it. We all heard it. But we never talked about being ranked number two neither, or ranked number 10 or number 20. So that doesn't matter. Uh, it matters what you do when, when the ball is snapped. All right, Shane, so what do you make of these comments here? I see what Coach O is saying. Do you think it helps the Tigers being number one? I mean, he says he just seems that they don't really care. It does help in recruiting and all that. But, uh, you know, they're going up against Alabama coming up here, and that's the, that's who they took number one from. So I'm not sure it helps or, or if it hurts. Uh, I mean, he says it don't mean a hill of beans, Mike, but – you know, what's 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 your goal in college football to be number one? You know, so it's hard for me to say that it doesn't matter mm-hmm. when your end goal is to be number one. Now, did LSU, you know, end at number one? That's still to be determined. But the fact they're there right now and they've got I mean, that's their spot. They can only lose that spot from here on out. So they could be number one for several weeks, several months, even a couple years if they play their cards right. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, Mississippi I State's uh, still talking about being number one five years ago. You know what? <laughs> Absolutely, man. Hey, I was talking about when we made number one in college basketball, you know. so Right. So, I, uh, I think it is a pretty big deal. I think it is. And it's something they should, uh, you know, they should really revel in. They've earned that ranking. No, I, I don't know anyone that had them number one in the preseason. So, you know, they've went out and not say they 
certainly they proved some people wrong. I don't think uh, it's not like we had a low opinion of them, but I don't think anyone had them number one going into this Alabama game. So uh, mm-hmm. it's something that uh, it is great for their program. And obviously, I see what he's saying here. It does, you know, if they if they lose it uh, the next damn game, it it's not going to mean much, like he says. But uh, if I'm an LSU fan, I'm I'm wearing number one shirts every day to that Alabama <laughs> <game>. <laughs> Oh, that's good. All right, Shane, that's all I've got. You got anything before we hop off here? No, that's about it, Mike. I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Uh, we got our big pick'ems coming up. Mm-hmm. Excited about that. I think this is the week the tides turn. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I think I start winning money here on out, Mike. I just got that gut feeling. Now, you, uh, don't, you don't have to reveal the pick now, Shane, but have you chosen I, which team you are cursing this week? I have, and I will tell you, it does involve the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. So I like that teaser, Shane. So (laughs) look, be on the lookout for Shane's uh, death block of the week. There, (laughs) I can't, I can't wait for it. Absolutely, and I appreciate everybody giving the rating and reviews, and the pictures of the koozies are awesome. They're floating around. There's a few of you asking where they're at. Mike sent these things out snail mail, so. I can't, you know, if you live, for, you know, a ways away, it's going to take a minute to get there, but uh, you will be getting them. Just keep an eye out, Postal Service. So, um, but yes, I will be getting to those reviews at some point, man. I, I mean, you guys, when you guys went all in, you went all in, and there's there's a lot of them, and, and, and some of them are very wordy. So I got to get my, my source out and my dictionary and try to figure out what some of these words mean, and then uh, I'll definitely present that at some point. Maybe tomorrow, uh, but definitely uh, coming up shortly. All right, Shane, that's going to do it. And uh, thanks for joining me as always. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go Vols.